0: Good morning, I'm Pastor Steve. It's a privilege to be with you today as we open up God's Word. And we are in a series here at Faith Bible Church in the book of Matthew, in chapters 5, 6, and 7, what Bible teachers call the Sermon on the Mount. So I encourage you to open in your Bibles with me, and today we are in Matthew chapter 6. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is giving us pictures of what it looks like to be right with God. Pictures of righteousness. What it looks like when a person is following after God, walking in obedience to Him. And in the process, Jesus defines for us the righteousness that's required to enter the kingdom. Problem. Israel's leadership believes that they are right with God. Because of how they are living their lives. But Jesus is pointing out in the Sermon on the Mount. That none of us can live a good enough life to be right with God. Israel's leaders in chapter 5. Jesus is showing them some error in what they believe. Now in chapter 6 Jesus points out some error in what they do. There are three acts of devotion to God that were common in Jesus' day that he points out here in chapter 6. Giving to the poor, or giving alms, praying, and fasting. And here, Jesus has been showing us in the first part of chapter 6 that the religious leaders of the day are doing these acts of devotion giving alms, or giving to the poor, praying and fasting, for show. They've been giving so that other people will notice them. They've been praying so that other people will notice them. And so as we come now to Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 15, Jesus is redeeming prayer. In other words, Jesus is showing what prayer should be not what it's become, in the lives of the religious leaders of the day. And in the process of Jesus showing us what prayer should be, we're going to see that at the heart of prayer is worship. Worship is a heart response to reveal God. And we're going to see that as Jesus gives us a pattern for prayer, At the heart of that pattern is worship. I personally have been on a long journey with prayer in my own life. A journey where I have had to grow immensely and where my growth has been slow. I started out in my young adult life almost having a mechanical view of prayer. I don't understand it, but I know I'm supposed to do it, so I'm going to pray. And over the years, God has slowly brought me down a path that I'm still on, but a path where these last few years, I think God has been Working in my heart in this area of prayer more than any other area. In 2012, in May of 2012, I went to Chicago for a pastor's conference that was held at Moody Bible Institute. First time I had ever gone. And the sessions were great, but the thing that was most meaningful to me was kind of In a sense, extra credit for preachers. Uh, It was an early morning session that was voluntary. And you would go, and it was just a prayer session. And so I went for the first time and found it to be the best part of the entire conference. It was led by a guy named Daniel Henderson, who subsequently I've been able to spend time with. And he introduced scripture-based prayer so that every morning he would take and read scripture and then we would pray based on that scripture, out of that scripture. And it grew to be the best part of the conference, the thing that I looked forward to most all week long. In 2016, I started getting together with one or two other pastors, our number varies, we're either from two to four every week on Thursday mornings for an hour, and we're just doing Scripture based prayer. We get together, we don't talk about how we're doing, we don't share prayer requests. Each of us serves as a facilitator, and we read Scripture, and then we pray out of that Scripture. Why? Because at the heart of prayer is worship. We worship when we see God revealed. God reveals himself in creation. We can look around us and see that there has to be a God from the intricacies of creation. That God who created the universe, who is powerful. But to see God in his attributes, in his character, in more depth, we need special revelation. We need the scripture. And so if we want to see who God is, it draws us to the scripture. Prayer then at its heart being worship is seeing God revealed in Scripture and then coming to him based out of who God is. Jesus, seeing what prayer has become in his day, desires to, in a sense, redeem it. To show prayer for what it really should be. So we're on a journey. This fall, I uh, did some mentoring with Daniel Henderson on a, on a bi-weekly basis on scripture-based prayer. And now our elders are entering into that. And we've started setting aside regular sessions just to do scripture-based prayer. It's a journey. But I think Jesus set a pathway for us here in Matthew chapter 6 verses 9 through 15 that helps us along the way. Now there's a problem. Other than John 3.16 and maybe Psalm 23, these are the most familiar verses in the Bible. I would guess if we did not have any words up here, and that does not need to be up there right now, we can put that up later. I would guess that if we we're going to ask you to recite these verses. Even if we didn't have it up here, we could do it. Because they're so familiar. Many of us grew up saying these verses. And yet, sometimes there's a danger with the familiar. Because... We can be so familiar with it, we can say it without thinking. And we really aren't allowing what Jesus says here to permeate our praying. In fact, what Jesus says here, I don't believe was meant to be something repeated week after week. Like we're actually supposed to say these words when we pray every week what Jesus gives us here is a pattern for prayer and that's what we want to recognize this morning you'll notice in your outline for this morning that there's actually four movements in prayer that are in this in in these verses the titles that i put in that outline are not original to me those are original with daniel henderson the guy that's with Strategic Renewal and 6-4 Fellowship that I did my mentoring underneath. So the titles are not original to me. The pattern is from these verses. And we're going to see that when Jesus says, pray like this, he's actually helping us know how to pray more than necessarily what words to pray. He isn't trying to give us something that we are just supposed to memorize and say week after week, day after day. Rather, he gives us a pattern for our praying that actually is based in worship. It's based in who God is, in all of his attributes and his character. And that's what we want to unfold today. Daniel Henderson, in in an easy way to remember it, Talks about this pattern in musical terms. Those of you who are somewhat musical know what 4-4 time is, and he uses 4-4 time as a memory device to help him remember the pattern. There is an upward movement in prayer, a downward movement in prayer, an inward movement in prayer, and an outward movement of prayer. So upward, downward, inward, outward movements of prayer. And that's what we're going to look at today in Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 15. I'm going to read the verses out loud. You can follow along in your copy of the scripture. Pray then in this way. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your father will not forgive your transgressions. And from those very familiar verses, This morning we want to look at this pattern for prayer so that we can incorporate that pattern for prayer into our praying. Now there's two things I want us to notice here before we start unfolding the text. First, notice with me in verse 9, Jesus says, pray then in this way. The Greek word that's, that in this way translates, brings us the idea that Jesus is not necessarily saying that we should actually pray these exact words. Rather, he's giving us a form, a pattern to pray. We also know that from the rest of the New Testament because the New Testament authors include all kinds of praying in the New Testament scriptures that aren't these words. So Jesus is not saying that all of our praying should simply be a repetition of these words. Rather, he says, pray in this way, in this manner, according to this pattern, according to this model. The second thing I want us to notice is these verses are filled with plurals. Even just look at the pronouns. It says in verse 9, Our Father. Verse 11, Give us this day our daily bread. Verse 12, Forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. Verse 13, Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. All those plurals. Remind us that prayer not only should be something that we individually do with God in our own Christian life, but it's something that we do together as a church family, corporately, together, that we are to come before the Father jointly in prayer. Now having made those two introductory comments, let's start unpacking the pattern that Jesus gives us here in these verses. And Jesus, in his model for prayer, starts us thinking upward. He says, pray this way. Begin by looking upward. Begin by looking at who God is. Begin with Reverence. Prayer begins with the character of God. Prayer begins with the character of God. Notice in verse 9, Jesus begins with the first part of this prayer, this first phrase, with almost a radical concept in Jesus' day. Because he says, pray then in this way, our Father who is in heaven. Now why is that radical? Go to the Old Testament scriptures and try to find God referred to as Father. The Old Testament worshiper would have been taught and Seeing God as one who is powerful, who is sovereign, who is full of glory, who's holy. Moses, take off your shoes because you're entering into holy, a holy place. They saw, the Israelites saw God's presence in that fire, pillar of fire by night that guided them in the cloud by day. When the tabernacle was erected and laid in the temple, God's glory was somehow seen inside of the tabernacle and the temple and everyone in a sense, had this sense of awe because God is so powerful and great and holy we cannot even look upon Him. And then Jesus comes and says, pray this way, Father, He's not only a holy, powerful, righteous God, He's a personal God. Just like an earthly dad who's a good dad would welcome his children into his presence, Jesus says we should come into God's presence and recognize he is a personal God. He is one who welcomes us through the person of Jesus Christ. Father, he's in heaven. He's still all of those things that he always has been, but Jesus says here that kind of radical idea for an Old Testament worshiper that he's personal. We can come to him. And then he says this, hallowed be your name. Remember in the scriptures, in the Bible, when it talks about a name, It's more than just the letters that one would use to address God or another person. Someone's name is talking about who they are. When it refers to their name, it's referring to who this person is in their character, in their attributes. And so here, Jesus says, we should pray, may you, God who you are, in all of your character, and all of your attributes, be hallowed. That's the verb form for the word holy. Jesus is not saying that we should pray that God can be holy. He is holy. No, he's saying we should pray that he will be treated as holy in all of his attributes. That his people, in their praise and in their lives, will live out such a way that All those around us will see that he is a holy God. That he is to be lifted up above us. In all of his character and his attributes, he is to be glorified. Now how do we do that? We've said that if the heart of prayer is worship. And worship is all about God revealing Himself. A simple definition for worship is a heart response to reveal God. So if we need a glimpse of who God is, the best way to do that is to come to His Word. That's why it's always good when we can to pray with an open Bible. We can pray anytime. We can pray in the car. We don't have to pull off the road and close our eyes. We can pray while we drive. We can pray at the office when we are with a client. We can pray anytime. time. But when we have the ability to have extended periods of prayer, Jesus models for us here that our prayer should begin With an upward movement of reverence for who God is. Of declaring his character and his attributes. And the best way to do that is to allow scripture to show us who God is. So, how can we do this? It's important for us as followers of Jesus Christ to be in the Bible. It's important for us to have a pattern for regularly reading God's Word. I would encourage us as a church family when we come to the Bible to begin by simply asking God, show me something about who you are in these verses. Show me who you are in these verses. And then when we see that characteristic of God, that attribute of God, then we pray back to Him. Remember, The Bible is how God talks to us, and then we can take that how what He's shown us about Himself and pray it back. So maybe we're in a passage of Scripture and, and we're just overwhelmed with the fact God is so gracious, He's so merciful. And so we can just take a moment and just go back to Him in prayer. God, you are gracious. You're so gracious to me. You're so gracious to our family. You've brought salvation to us through Jesus Christ. We can just begin our prayer by declaring His who He is. His attributes and His character. I'm going to briefly read three verses out of the Old Testament in the book of Isaiah. Chapter six. You don't have to turn there. You can just picture these verses in your heart and mind as I read them. It's the passage where the prophet is caught into the throne room of heaven in a vision. And this is, he describes what he sees. In the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne lofty and exalted with the train of his robe filling the temple. Seraphim stood above him, each having six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, with two he flew, and one called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And Isaiah there brings us just a glimpse of the throne room of heaven. And we see that God is continually praised in the throne room. His attributes are continually Called out. You know, God deserves our praise for who He is and all of His attributes. Who He is demands our praise. He deserves it. And to Him, our praise is a sweet smelling aroma that rises to the throne room. This morning, I'm going to ask us to do something a little bit out of the box. So, I'm going to ask you to stand, and the guys up in the booth are going to put a slide up here for us. Go ahead and stand. This is not going to be painful, okay? But it's going to stretch us just a little bit. You remember what it's like when you're with a kid and you walk up to a kid and say, give me five, and if the kid doesn't do it, you say, don't leave me hanging, man. So I woke up in the night a couple times a little scared about this, so I'm going to tell you all, don't leave me hanging, okay? I'm going to need you guys to do this with me. It's going to be good. There's a reason why I'm going to ask you to do this with me, okay? But it's going to stretch you a little bit. What I'm going to ask us all to do, and if you're not comfortable, that's okay, because God can hear what's on your heart, no matter what form you pray. But I'm going to ask us all to pray out loud at the same time. Okay? Oh boy, Pastor Steve, you're really on the edge here. I know, I know I am. So I'm going to ask you to all pray out loud at the same time, but different stuff. Okay, You are going to pray what's on your heart. Again, if you're not comfortable, just pray to the Lord from the quietness of your heart. But I'm asking most of you to not leave me hanging. Okay, And all we're going to simply do is pray, God, you are. It's simple. And then you fill in the blank. You just have to pray to him back. A characteristic and attribute of God that is just meaningful to you this morning. If you, if you want, you can grab something about God off this slide. And if you want to say, if you want to continue to talk to Him about that attribute, God, you are gracious. You gave me a Savior. You can share with the Lord whatever you want to share with Him, but I'm asking you to do it out loud. Now, First hour did okay. I, I have high hopes for this group, okay? So when I say out loud, it's not a whisper, you know, just, you know, kind of pray as if you're, you know, you're trying to talk to somebody in the other end of the house, okay? So, no, just go ahead and pray out loud, and we're simply gonna say, God, you are, and if everybody's doing it, no one's going to hear you except God, okay? Trust me, there's a reason. We're going to talk about that reason. What I'm going to do is I'm going to step down, and I'm going to say, let's go, and then we're not going to do this very long, and this is the only out-of-the-box thing I'm going to ask you to do this morning, okay? Okay. Okay, everybody ready? Let's go. Got it. And we humbly come before you this morning and are asking you to teach us about prayer. Give us your heart. We want your will to be accomplished in our lives as a church. We thank you that you've revealed yourself to us in your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Now... Have you ever been to an orchestra concert or a symf- like a symphony and gotten there early? Do you remember what that's like? All of the players are just playing randomly. Remember what that's like? They're trying to get their- make sure their instrument's tuned. And it's before the concert master starts working with everybody. It's just everybody's out there and they're just playing rambling stuff. And it, it just sounds like... Whoa! This is what this is going to be. This is bad. I mean, it's just all—it just sounds to us like it's all mixed up. When we just did that, that may have sounded like that to you, but to God, that was a symphony orchestra. Because God hears your prayer, and the reason why I like to experience that is just a reminder. Of the fact that throughout the world, at any moment, there are prayers of praise simultaneously ascending to the throne room of heaven. Holy, 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 are you, O Lord? Praise in Him for His attributes and His character. And remember, in the Old Testament, when when a worshipper wanted to praise God and, and maybe just give him honor for what he has done in their life. Sometimes they would bring a special sacrifice and they'd bring it to the priest and the priest would offer it on the altar and the scriptures said as the aroma of that, that offering that would, would, would come off of that fire, it would rise up to heaven like a soothing aroma. A pleasing aroma. That's what the prayer's Of God's people. Is like to God. A soothing aroma. There's some awesome verses. In Hebrews chapter 13. Verses 15 and 16. And I I just want to read those out loud. Hebrews 13. 15. Says this. Through him then let us continually. Offer up a sacrifice. What kind of sacrifice? A sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that give thanks to his name and do not neglect doing good and sharing for with such sacrifices God is pleased. When we begin our praying with an upward movement, movement number one of reverence, of praying his character, it's like entering into his presence With a sweet aroma coming to Him. Prayer begins with the character of God. And then it flows out of who He is. And that's exactly the pattern that Jesus shows us here. So Jesus says, you want to pray? If you want to pray God's way, if if we want to redeem prayer from what it's become in Jesus' day... Begin in prayer with an upward movement to the Father And just declare Him Focus on His attributes Declare who He is And then Jesus moves to the second movement of prayer It's a downward movement back to us And what the second movement of prayer is It's a response on our part To the character of God It's how am I going to respond now to what I have just praised Him for as I declared His attributes. It's a response to God's character. And ultimately, it's yielding control to Him. It's saying, it's not my agenda, it's your agenda. Jesus puts it this way in verse 10. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Years ago, it's probably been 20 years now. There was a family that started attending Faith Bible Church. And soon after they started attending, they came to me and said, we want to be used. I want to teach. And as I talked with this person, I found out that he and his wife definitely had an agenda. In fact, they wanted to start teaching what I consider to be some false doctrine about who God is. You see, they came and they came saying we want to be used of the Lord, but according to our agenda. What Jesus is doing here is saying when we come in prayer, We come to Him and we first, with an upward movement, look at who He is and declare His attributes. And then we respond in a downward movement to my heart and say, Lord, uh, I've just praised You for who You are. Now I'm telling You, it's it's not my will that's important here. It's not my agenda that's important here. Jesus put it this way, Your kingdom come. We've kind of jumped into the middle of the book of Matthew. But as the whole book of Matthew unfolds, it's all about the kingdom. Remember the Old Testament promised that David's son, an anointed one, a Messiah, would sit on David's throne forever and ever over a kingdom. And Jesus here in the Sermon on the Mount is talking about what righteousness is required to enter the kingdom. And so here, Jesus says, pray for the kingdom to come. And that can take on a couple of aspects. One aspect that we can be praying is that the kingdom will come in all of its consummated fulfillment. We can pray for Jesus' return, that he will set up his kingdom on earth the author of the book of Revelation, in, in Revelation chapter 22, verse 20, as he brings that book to a close, says in verse 20, He who testifies to these things says, Yes, I am coming quickly. And then John writes, Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. In the end of the book of First Corinthians, in chapter 16, verse 22, it says, Paul writes, Maranatha, which means, Oh, Lord, come. We can pray, Lord, Come. Come, come for your church. But we can also pray for his kingdom to be extended right now in the lives of men and women and boys and girls on earth, that he would do a work in changing hearts so that instead of someone having to be told what righteousness looks like, people will be able to look at Jesus' followers' lives and see what righteousness looks like. And so Jesus says, pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, it's not my agenda. Will you work your purposes in me? Will you do your work in me? Your will be done. One of the ways the New Testament fleshes this out is it talks about the Spirit of God being in control of our lives. Every Christian has the indwelling Spirit of God. Romans chapter 8 verse 9 makes it clear if you don't have the Holy Spirit inside of you, you're not a Christian. Every person who has put their faith in Jesus Christ has the indwelling Spirit. But... It's possible to live our lives without the Spirit controlling us. That's why the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 18 commands us to be not, don't get drunk with wine, meaning don't let alcohol control you, but rather let the Spirit of God control you. Be filled with the Spirit. And so in our prayer times, we're reading our Bible. And we we see something about God as we read. We can just go right then and go into prayer and say, God, you are. And then we can follow up and say, and I need you to control me. I need you to do your kingdom work in my life. I need you to do your kingdom work in the life of Faith Bible Church. We want your will to be done, not ours. And so Jesus gives us an upward motion and then a downward motion to our hearts that we respond back to his attributes and his character. And only then, after we've focused on who he is and then how we should respond to who he is, only then do we get, do we get to requests. But we get there. It's the third movement of Jesus' prayer here. There's an upward movement of reverence. Prayer begins with God's character. Then there's a downward movement to responding to His character. Yielding to the control of the Holy Spirit. Recommitting ourselves to God's kingdom purposes. And then there's an inward movement to requests. Praying about Really, all of our requests fit into two categories. Resources and relationships. Our needs, one author wrote, we shouldn't pray, we need to pray about our needs, not our greeds. <laughs> I thought that was kind of cute. Our needs are resources and relationships. Our needs here are listed for us in verse 11. Give us this day our daily bread. Now, Jesus there is not simply saying that we should only pray for a loaf of bread. He's talking about our basic needs. The very basic, it's our food, but the other basic needs of our life. God, this is heavy on our hearts as a family. We're asking you to meet this need. Interesting thing. If we, in our hearts, Are going to God in a spirit of prayer. Where we begin with him. Where we begin with his attributes. And then. We come to our own heart. And aligning our hearts with his will. And asking him to align our hearts with his will. Not our will. It shifts. How we pray about our needs. Maybe. In our praying. And some of us have heavy, heavy things on our hearts. Maybe there's someone with, with whom you are in a relationship that is going through some really heavy health issues. We not only can pray, you know, God please bring healing, but we can pray, will you use this in his or her life so that he or she will become more like Jesus? Will you use this in his or her life so that those around them will see Jesus Christ lived out through him or her or through us? You see, we can, even when we come to the Lord with our needs, starting out with who he is and responding to who he is by saying it's not my will but yours brings us a different perspective when it comes time for that inward movement for requests we not only request him for resources but relationships and verse 12 shows us there's really two levels of relationship there's a vertical relationship we need to pray about, our relationship with God and a horizontal relationship our vertical relationship can be confession of sin for example, here Jesus says that a in our pattern for prayer in this third movement we can pray, forgive us our debts that word that's translated debts there, the Greek word behind it, is most likely based on an Aramaic uh, word, which would have been maybe Jesus, when he taught and preached, often would have used Aramaic, that means sin. And so he's not here talking about monetary debts. He, he's talking about sin and transgression. And so Jesus says in this third movement of prayer, this is the time that we can confess our sin to the Father. Not only asking for His provision in our for resources, but in relationships, our relationship with Him. But Jesus also says that in our prayer life, there's an aspect of our horizontal relationships that's present too. Because if we're going to ask the Father to forgive us our sin, we can't come to Him and ask Him to forgive us when we're holding bitterness and anger and wrath toward a brother or sister in Christ for whom He also died. So in verses 14 and 15, Jesus is going back and kind of fleshing out verse 12. And he says, If you forgive others for their transgressions, your Heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. In other words, if we're holding the spirit of unforgiveness in our heart, it's like putting a wall between us and God. And we need to, we need to forgive our brother and sister in Christ so that that, that wall can come up so that we have close communion with our Heavenly Father again. So that He can bring cleansing to our heart. My wife uh, spent her growing up years from junior high and on in central Kansas. And I visited her home church uh, for the, when I visited for the very first time, Zor Mennonite Brethren Church in Imman, Kansas, it's a real happening place. Um, the very first time I visited, there were two things that struck me. She was related to a huge percentage of the church family, and all of her great uncles would stand in the back of the church facility and talk low German to each other. And then the other thing that I remembered is they said the Lord prayer, the Lord's prayer, every service. So the pastor would pray and then everyone would jump in and say the Lord's Prayer and they would always say, and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Most people in Iowa, I did a little informal survey around the office, most people say trespasses, but in her church they said debts every week. Now, interesting when that becomes so much part of what we do every week. We say those same words. It's easy for us to say it without really thinking about it. And I don't think necessarily Jesus even meant us to repeat those these identical words time after time after time as much as he wanted to redeem prayer from what it what it had become in his day and show us a pattern for how prayer really has at its heart Worship. We go to the Father. And often we go to the Father in response to how He has revealed Himself to us in the Scripture and we've seen His character, His attributes. And we begin and we say, God, You are. You are so good. There's no sin in You at all. You're a personal God through Jesus. I don't have to be fearful. And we talk to him about who he is. And then we move to that next movement in response to who he is. And and I'm coming to you today knowing that I've got to get out of the way. I want you to do your work in, in my life, in the life of our church. I want you to do a work through me in the lives of my coworkers. I want you to do a work through me. I want it, your kingdom purposes to be furthered, not my agenda. And having recognized who he is, and then coming back in response to who he is, by yielding ourselves to him, then we come to requests. But our requests will be very different than if we just come to him with requests alone. And having moved through the first three movements of prayer, from reverence to response to requests, Jesus says we can finish this way with a prayer for readiness. Because the scriptures are clear. When we step into the world in which we live, we are stepping into spiritual battle. Stay-at-home moms are in a spiritual battle during the day as they attempt to raise up children in a godly way or stay-at-home dads. Those who go into the workplace are in a spiritual battle as they try to live for Jesus Christ, oftentimes in the midst of an atmosphere which is anything but Christ-like. Students going into universities and high schools and middle schools today are stepping into spiritual battle Remember what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 12? It says this, Finally be strong in the Lord and the strength of His might, put on the full armor of God, so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness. Against spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. And down in verse 16 he says, In addition to all taking up the shield of faith with which you are able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. So Jesus says as we come in this fourth movement of prayer. We can pray, do not lead us into temptation but deliver us from evil. By the way, in some of your translations, if you have a New American Standard like I do, or the King James, it'll go on, mine's in brackets, and says, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Most Bible scholars today recognize that those words were not part of what a Matthew originally wrote here. They were added later on by a scribe, most likely based out of 1st Chronicles chapter 29 verses 11 through 13 to use for public reading. But many of your translations don't even have those words listed. Regardless, the pattern for prayer is here. That we ask and as we conclude our prayer for His provision in our lives. It's us saying, I can't do this on my own. I need to be battle ready through you. It's trusting Jesus Christ and asking Him to equip us, to enable us to live for Him. When When Jesus said, do not lead us into temptation, We know for sure he did not mean that God tempts us to sin. James is clear about that in James chapter 1 verses 13 through 14. God does not tempt people. I think most likely what Jesus is referring to here is it's okay for us to pray, don't lead us into trial. Don't lead us into testing. Even though James says in James chapter 1 verse 2, consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various forms of trial, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. It's still okay to ask the Lord, Lord, spare me from trial and testing today, but deliver us from The NESB says evil. There's two words there. A little preposition. And then the word for either evil or evil one. I think it's best taken as a reference to Satan. Because the little word for there is often used with persons, not things. So I think what Jesus is saying here is, Don't lead us into trial or testing. But deliver us from the evil one. Why? Because we live on a battlefield. And so Jesus, in redeeming prayer from what it had become in his day, gives us this wonderful pattern that flows out of the very character of God. Because as we begin praying by focusing on who he is and his attributes, and then move in our hearts to responding to who he is, saying, not my will, but yours, then coming to the requests that are on our heart. And then finally saying, I need you. I need you to live for you today. We are responding in worship to God. Worship is a heart response to reveal God. And worship is the heart of prayer. Father, I thank you for these verses For the encouragement they bring us. For the reminder that. The prayer is God centered. Not man centered. That that our prayer flows out of. Your attributes and your character. We thank you and praise you for your patience. And your grace and your mercy. And we tell you that you are worthy. And we are needy. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.